Well, good morning, everybody. For those of you I do not know, my name is Mike. It's an honor to welcome you here to North Star. And we have a full house this morning, a packed theater right now. All of you in Compass that found a seat, would y'all welcome our theater crowd this morning and thank them for being on, man. Thank you guys for uh, giving up your seat and going in there. And for all of you watching online, we're really, really glad you're here today. We wrap up the series, Questions That God Asked. And, and legitimately, as Larry said, this is the one question that we all, at some point in our journeys, we have to answer this question. So I'm gonna let you get ahead a little bit. Take your Bibles, turn to the book of Mark, Mark chapter eight. We're gonna start reading down in verse 27. Uh, here in just a second, I'll give you a chance to get ahead a little bit. Uh, if you have the North Star app, it's the, by far the easiest way to follow along. North Star Church, Georgia, in the app store. You can take a, a QR code picture of your little note sheet that you were given, and uh, that will get you there. But we want everybody to have that because today, today's a day you want to jot some stuff down, I think, as we process this out loud. Uh, we had a ton of teachers. Would y'all give a hand to all these amazing teachers and educators? Thank them again for what they do. Those are, those are difference makers and uh, people that we love that are a part of North Star. North Star has a lot of educators, and we're so honored by that. I'm praying they never pull my GPA. But anyway, so I'm really glad, really glad they're all here. Um, I've got a lot of comments this morning because I'm wearing Nike, not Under Armour. I'm a free agent. I just want you to know, so if any of you have any, if you're new to North Star, it doesn't make any sense. But anyway, so uh, do y'all mind me telling you a quick God story here real quick? Everybody all right with that? It's really have anything to do with the message, but it sort of does. So this past week, I got a call from a North Star family, and they said, hey, Mike, I thought you might want to know about a need in our community. My husband and I, we're working it, trying to help it, but I thought you may want to get North Star involved in it as well, and it, and it had to do with a young man that had played here locally in athletics uh, that I had crossed paths with through the years. And um, what had happened was these two moms had run into each other somewhere and, and their kids had grown up together. And the one mom said, well, my son's getting ready to go off to college. She said, how are things going? Said, and you just saw that, that look. When, when life blindsides you, y'all been blindsided before? That their lives were blindsided. And she said, I'm struggling to buy sheets and pillowcases and things to get my son ready to go to college. And I, I don't, we're just at wit's end, you know? So this mom reaches out to me and said, hey, I thought North Star may want to jump in, which is absolutely. So we, we uh, found out they needed a refrigerator. And if y'all know Mike Lindeman, he always has extra appliances laying around. And so everybody's laughing because they've seen them in your truck. But anyway, so, but somebody had donated a refrigerator before and it was, Mike had it. And we're able to match that family up, but we also were able to go and buy them a gift card um, to Walmart so they could go and get sheets and pillowcases and stuff that we all had to get for our kids, right? That we Mirrors and all, all the things you gotta go do for college. I had the privilege of, I didn't really deal with all that part of it, Ann did, and, but I got to write a note to them. And, and, uh, and the note I just said, I know right now, it's hard to know this, but God knows and he cares and he hears you. And I wrote it in a card, ran it by, put it in their mailbox, drove off and let them know that I'd left it. And that was sort of the end of that story. I, it was Friday, so I was off and I had done yard work and swam. And so I went to Publix and I had my swim trunks on and my hat. 
That's an image y'all don't need. But anyway, so, uh, but I, I ran in public, so hopefully incognito, get in, get out, and that didn't really happen a lot around here. And so I'm in Publix, and I get the North Star nod. It's the, hey, you know, and so I'm like, oh, it's somebody that I know. And I nodded back, you know, and waved at him and remembered him, and did, we didn't dialogue or anything. I got what I needed, got out to my car. I'm in my truck putting my stuff down, and I get a tap, tap, tap at my window. So I look over, and it's the gentleman I just saw, and I'm like, hey, man, what's up? And he said, man, Mike, it's been one of those weeks. You ever have one of those weeks where it's like nothing's going right? And I said, yep. And he said, but I saw your smiling face in there, which, listen, you got to work with what you got, all right? And so, and so he, he said, I saw your smiling face in there, and it just I remembered something you've said a thousand times. When you are at your lowest, the best thing you can do is bless somebody. He pulls out, no lie, $2,000 in cash. So if you heard I was taking drug money at Publix, all right, I just want you to know, I'm verifying this for the cameras. My officers have signed off on this. He pulls out and he said, I've had this. And this is what he said next. Maybe there's a family who's got a child getting ready to go off to college that needs to be blessed. Would you take this and get it to them? I mean, what do you say? I'm like, dude, you have no idea. I just delivered this to a family. and I, It is going to pass through. And so I went home. I got in. I walk in with 2000 in cash. She's like, what are you doing, right? Uh, you've been in the ATM? What's happening? We don't have that kind of money. And I'm like, no, 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 no. And I tell her this story, and she's like, well, we know where that needs to go. So we text this sweet mama who's been praying a lot of prayers about, God, are you there? God, are you hearing me? And we got to text her and say, hey, do you mind if we, we're not trying to creep you out, but I wanted to drop something by the house, and we got to stand in her driveway and say, this isn't from me, it's not from Ann, it's not from North Star. It's really not even from this person. This is from the Lord. God hears you. God knows and he cares. And I watched this lady drop in her driveway when she was reminded that God really does care. Isn't that awesome? Would y'all give the Lord a hand? Wasn't that cool? <laughs> Who do you say that I am. It's a question Jesus posed to his disciples and it's a question he poses to me and you today. I really am past the point of going, God, are you real? I'm telling you, we got home Friday night and it was like, God, you are real. But you may not be real to everybody. So up until this point in the Gospel of Mark, we just watched Jesus feed couple thousand people. We watched him heal a blind man and the disciples just, it just was not clicking. Like it wasn't locking in with them. It was like me sitting in algebra class and them going, Mike, do you understand? And I'm like, all right. And it was really, no, I never did get it. All right. That's what it was like for the disciples. They just didn't get it. They didn't understand it. They didn't know how the story was all fitting together and it's about to really fit together. Mark chapter eight, would y'all stand with me in our reading God's word together? If you got your notes out, blank number one is this, I must answer Jesus' biggest question. I must answer Jesus' big question. You 
must answer Jesus' biggest question. Not all the other questions we've hit in the series are questions that God asked to get us to an answer. This is a question that God asked to get us to a decision. Mark chapter eight, verse 27. Jesus and his disciples left Galilee and they went up to the villages near Caesarea Philippi. Time out real quick. You don't ever find Jesus in Caesarea Philippi. It's very rare that he goes up there. Usually you find him in Bethany, Galilee, Damascus, all the areas right around Jerusalem. This is sort of an outcrop area and it was an area full of springs that would feed into the Jordan River and it was also an area that Baal worship and idol worship was rampant. Like it's a very Gentile area and so there was a, a, the God of Baal, the Pan God, these are all little G gods, the Pan God, all these crazy things that were etched in the hillside there in Caesarea Philippi. It used to be called Pan, Caesarea Pan at one time before it was renamed. And Jesus and his disciples, they're walking up through all these idols all around them. And as they were walking along, he asked them this question, who do people say that I am? It's not an accident, he asked it there. You got all these other little gods around. What, what, are, what are you boys hearing on the street? When you're out at you know, public center in town. What, what, what are people saying about me? And look at what the disciples responded. Well, some say you're the John the Baptist. In fact, it was King Herod said he was John the Baptist because when he beheaded John the Baptist, he thought Jesus was John the Baptist reincarnated. That was where that came from. Some say you're Elijah. We know that Elijah was just taken up. Elijah never died. And, and prophecy says that one day Elijah will come back. He'll be one of the three witnesses there in the book of Revelation. Well, some say you're Elijah, and others say you're just one of the other prophets. So there was lots of rabbis walking around, lots of messiahs, little teachers walking around during that time. And others just say you're one of the prophets. And then you can almost see in the story, Jesus stopped. He turns and he looks at them. You see this as sort of a dialogue walking around, but he stops and he said, but who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter replied, you are the Messiah. There's a lot in that statement. There's a lot missing from Simon Peter's statement. And that's what we're going to talk about this morning. Father, speak to us. Teach us. God, may every man and woman, may every boy and girl, from the oldest to the youngest, and the sound of my voice in our theater, in our compass room, and watching online today, God, may we be ready to answer that question for ourselves. And Father, that is my prayer. And I pray it in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. before you're seated, turn around and introduce yourself to somebody around you, would you? And you can grab a seat. So, so let's, let's talk about this real quick. Simon Peter... Jesus asked the question, who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter, I mean, of all the disciples. So we had all these teachers in every classroom in America. There's a little boy or a little girl that's going to answer every 
question that the teacher's going to ask, whether they know or not, right? Y'all know that kid, they've been in class with you. If you don't know who that kid is, it was you, all right? And so and every class has got one. I mean, they're, they're always got their hand ready. I remember coaching 13-year-old baseball team years ago, and uh, man, we had lost, and I was ripping, I mean, ripping them in Jesus' name after a game just because they needed to get, we needed some prayer. And so we're, we're getting after it after the game, and I said, do you boys understand me? And this kid goes, yes, sir. His name's Cody. I still remember it like it was last night. I said, Cody, what did I just say? He said, I have no idea, sir. All right, and so they're, they're on every team. Simon Peter was that guy. He's the disciples. You're going to see him here in just a second. And he said, you are the Messiah. Right or wrong? Yes or no? Was Jesus the Messiah? Yes or no? Yes. He got that part right. Here's the part he missed. The Messiah Jesus was, wasn't what Simon Peter thought he was. Jesus said, in just a moment, Simon Peter, I'm not what you think I am. See, Simon Peter was, he was all in on the deliverer Messiah, the conquering Messiah, the one in charge Messiah. That's what he was signed up for. He was all in on the conquering one. He was all about Jesus, you know, when you take power, I want to be in your cabinet, and I want to be one of the other ones in charge, and, you know, I'm going to put my Jesus magnet on my donkey, and, I mean, all that, get on my boat, and all that stuff, and he missed it. He missed, see, all the Jews back then, they grew up one day looking for that Messiah that was to come and to rule and to reign. Yes, he was right. He is the Messiah. It's just not the Messiah Simon Peter thought he was. See, we all got to answer this big question. And your answer to that question is a big answer to, to your eternity. See, some of the disciples said, well, you're Elijah, John the Baptist, or one of the prophets. So yesterday I had to go to a funeral in South Atlanta for uh, the, my parents' neighbor. So my neighbor growing up uh, passed away. And so I went down there. Um, to do her funeral. And man, you just get down in your old hometown and all these memories start coming back about growing up down there. So we, we moved to this little community in 1973 on Hickory Road in Fayetteville and we moved next door to this lady. And so we were neighbors all those years that I grew up there and on until my parents went home to be with the Lord from 1973 to 2017. They were neighbors. My mom and this lady were neighborhood watch before there was neighborhood watch, all right? And so if anybody was up to any shenanigans or business, that would all, everybody in town would know by the end of the evening, right? That was sort of the way that deal worked. But back then, I thought about this, even in light of this weekend, I could have told you what my grandparents thought about Jesus, what my parents thought about Jesus. Growing to church, going to church for me growing up was not even an option, right? It was something we just did, right? So I could have told you how my parents felt about Jesus and what they may have said about Jesus, what my aunt and uncle would have said, but I, Jesus would have turned to me and said, but, but Mike, who do you say that I am? I'm glad they, you grew up in a great family of faith. But who am I to you? See, these disciples knew he could work miracles. They knew, they had seen all that. This is the, everybody look at me. This is the pivot chapter of Mark. This chapter, everything pivots. We've gone from being the guy who was doing all the miracles and, and beginning in chapter eight in this conversation, we're at six months from now, we're at the cross. 
Everything turns toward Jerusalem. Everything gets serious. And it gets serious for the disciples. He's like, guys, I'm not just a miracle worker. Who do you say that I am? Number two, I must understand his big mission. So I got to get why he came. The disciples didn't get it yet. Look at what he says, verse 30. But Jesus warned them not to tell anybody. Eight times in the book of Mark, you find Jesus going, guys, don't tell them. Why did he say that? He said it because the world wasn't ready yet. The story wasn't complete yet. All the pieces of the puzzle weren't in. You can't end the game yet. So guys, don't, don't let this out. Don't tell anybody. Then Jesus began to tell them that the Son of Man, the Messiah, he must, what's the next word? Say it again. Many things, many terrible things. Be rejected by the elders, the leading priests, and teachers of religious law. Hey, guys, this Messiah you signed up for isn't like the one you think I am. I'm going to be rejected, and I'm going I'm to be punished. I must suffer all of these things because they're, they're the mission. They are why I came. It's the whole point of being, me being here. Everybody look at me. He didn't come to just do miracles. He didn't come to just feed crowds. He didn't come to just give new ideas. He came for something so much bigger. And I mean, I'm telling you, the disciples are washed out. I mean, they're, they're just like, whoa. Because they all willingly chose to follow him. But now he begins to go, here's what's behind the curtain of why I came. Look at what it says. He would be killed and three days later rise from the dead. So guys, not only am I going to be, am I going to suffer, I am going to be killed by these people and three days later I'm going to rise from the dead. Now, if they got it, on Sunday morning, the Easter story, they would have all been waiting for the rock to move. Nobody's waiting on the rock to move. Nobody was there that morning with like, oh, it's Jesus coming out. He said he was coming. No, they just didn't get it. They didn't understand. This is where it gets really interesting. As he talked openly about this openly with the disciples, I mean, there's a whole dialogue going on. Peter, remember the kid in class, right? Simon Peter took him aside and he began to reprimand him for saying such things. So Simon Peter's like, Jesus, listen. Now, I want you to think about this. In Simon Peter's mind, Jesus is better than going through all those things. Jesus, you hold the keys to eternity. You don't have to go. Come on, Jesus. We need to be more positive with this. We need some positive affirmation here. Jesus, you're better than that. Jesus, you don't have to go do all that. 
You can just take the throne, is basically what Simon Peter was saying. You don't have to go. So Simon Peter's, I mean, he's, he pulls Jesus' like, all right, now let me, let me straighten this out for you, Jesus. I got a pretty good handle on how things are going here, and I got a pretty good handle on what people need. And he begins to openly reprimand Jesus for what he said. Jesus, you're not thinking of yourself good enough. You're not thinking of yourself positive enough. And Jesus turned around and he looked at his disciples. So it's interesting. So he looks and he engages the disciples. Then he reprimands Peter. And he said, get away from me. What's the next word? He didn't call him Peter. Here's what he was saying. This is what most scholars think he was saying. Don't let the enemy use you to thwart why I came. Everybody look at me. If all Jesus did was heal and forgive, uh, heal and feed and do all the things he did, you and I are not sitting in this room forgiven for our sins. That was the mission. All the other things are perfunctory. He came to die and be raised again. And he rebuked Simon Peter. And I bet Simon Peter's lip dropped so far to the ground, I bet, I bet he could go from here to here quick. I said, don't miss why I came. That's the big mission. The big mission of why he came. Everybody look, to seek and to save those that were lost. That was why he came. Simon Peter was trying to stop it, and we're like, dude, can you believe Simon Peter? I mean, take a, take a load of this guy. What's he saying? All right, real quick. How many of you have ever felt like if God would actually consult with you and talk to you about your life, you could help him out with things a little bit? Have y'all ever felt that way before, right? If God would just get in with me, there would be no difficulty. Did anybody wake up this morning and go, God, send me a difficult week? Anybody do that real quick? Did anybody say, God, I want you to bring a little tragedy to my family? Anybody do that? No, we pray for God's protection, we pray for his hand, we pray for his safety, and we pray for all those things, but the reality is it's in the tough things of life we typically find him. The other night I was up at Lake Point with a great college coach. He's a legendary Hall of Fame college coach, and Casey and I got to hang out with him for a few minutes, and he says that every other coach I here said, I said, if I could tell a high school parent, a high school athlete one thing, what would you want them to know? And this is what he always says, learn that failure is a good thing. See, Simon Peter didn't want any of the failure. He didn't want any of the tough times. He's like, Jesus, we can bypass all that. And Jesus goes, no, 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 no. It's through those things I save the people that I need to save. That is the mission that I came for. It was a rescue mission. And he had your name and he had my name. Simon Peter just missed it. You're seeing things, Simon, merely from a human point of view, not from God's. Number three, I must accept Jesus' big offer. Calling the crowd to join his disciples, he said, if any of you wants to be my follower... You must give up your own way. 
Any of you want to follow after me? You got to let go. Give up your own way. You're not signing up for this for what you're just going to get here on earth. No, really what you sign up for is adversity, tough times, self-denial, which is literally deny yourself, what that means. I can't take what he has without giving up what I have. And what do I have? Me. Me. Here's the word I want you to write beside that. Surrender is what he's saying. You gotta surrender. And you can see the disciples processing now what they signed up for. You must give up your own way Take up your cross and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you'll lose it. But if you give up life, your life for my sake and for the sake of the good news, you'll save it. What do you benefit if you gain the whole world but you lose your own soul? Is anything worth more than your soul? Here's the hardest part for us. The world that we live in in 2023 is all about accumulating and taking and getting and doing and accomplishing and driving and, and listen, I, I'm, I, I, if you don't know me, I am a driver by nature. Like I don't need anybody to kickstart me. Like I want to use my life and accomplish as much as I can. But the reality is if all I do in life is accomplish what I can accomplish and hold on to what I can hold on to, I will lose everything. Life comes from giving up. See, some of us, we walked in our rooms today, the compass in the theater and watch it online and we, we can't answer the question who we think others think he is. We've just never wrestled with who he is to us. I'm not asking you if you believe enough to come to church. We've already proven that's true or tune in. I'm asking you who he is to you. Everybody look at me. You were his big mission. You are why he came. It was for you. And the reason he bluntly nailed Simon Peter and he said, get behind me, Satan, because he didn't want Simon Peter to stand in the way of keeping him from the cross because he knew that it was your sin that had to be died for and my sin that had to be died for so I could spend eternity with him in heaven. That's a fact. Years ago, I, last service, there was a good friend of mine. He was here and a few years ago, his dad is an old friend of mine. We coached against each other for years. Great business leader, phenomenal guy. He was in his 60s at this point. Had a Jewish background. And I mean, he was struggling with what to do. And I remember the day sitting in a restaurant on Chastain Road. And I said, listen, man, you're caught in a rundown between home and third. 
you got to figure out which way you're going. I said, you keep going back to third. You don't score from there. You score from there. So I call on Monday or Tuesday or Thursday that week, I get a text from this gentleman. and He said, my legs are weak and I'm tired and I'm ready to go home. The crazy part, as Larry said it earlier, wasn't that he found God. It was that God and he finally ran into each other because God had been pursuing him for all those years. And he's been pursuing you too. I'm glad you dropped your children off. I'm glad you do all this. Listen, listen question we all have to answer is who do you say that I am? Would you pray with me? Mm. God, that's a wrestler right there. Because nobody, nobody gets to make this decision. God, I know that was a defining moment in the life of the disciples. It was a defining moment in your journey as well because from there you turned your eyes to the cross and you set your face towards Jerusalem. Father, if you were to pull up a chair in front of each of our chairs, you were to look us eyeball to eyeball, knee to knee, and say, who do you say that I am? God, I have a feeling today some people in this, this, these uh, rooms would go, oh, I know who you are. You are the Messiah. You are the Son of the living God. And there's others that come in. I, I don't know what I'd say. But I know now what I'd say. Maybe today's the day your rundown's over. And you're ready to come home. Could I lead you in a prayer meeting? Could I? Dear Lord Jesus, thank you for chasing me. Thank you for pursuing me. Thank you for not forgetting me. Thank you for hearing me. And thank you for living for me dying for me and rising again just for me. Thanks for making me your mission. Boy, if you prayed that prayer with me this morning, welcome home. Sir, ma'am, you are why he came. Would you take a second? Talk to the Lord, would you?